Hello and welcome to So What You're Saying Is. I'm Peter Whittle. Now, on this program over the past couple of years, basically since 2020, we've talked an awful lot about the way in which our institutions appear to have been taken over by a woke ideology and indeed the way in which they appear to have been infiltrated. Amongst those institutions, I'd say one of the most prominent has been the National Trust, uh, a great uh, organization, nearly six million members, but it has been subject of controversy for some time. Um, there has now been set up an organization called Restore Trust, which is aimed at members who are concerned about what's happening to the National Trust. And the director of it is Juditu Gabrielhanis, and she is with me today. Thank you very, very much for joining us. Thank you. Um, first of all, can I ask, we are putting this out on Thursday, uh, which is the 25th of August, not usual for our interviews. There's a reason for that. Can you explain what it is to do with your AGM, isn't it? Yes, well, the National Trust has its AGM on the um, 5th of November, um, and it's a, it's a very critical um, time for us because that's the chance that members have um, to voice their concerns with the National Trust because actually lots of them have been saying we've had lots of concerns about the National Trust but the management isn't listening to us. So the AGM provides a, provides a good opportunity for people to vote and therefore make change um, and bring about much needed reform at the top of the National Trust. Um, but the deadline to become a member in order to vote at the AGM is the 26th of August. Tomorrow. So, uh, is yeah. Exactly. So, um, so that's why it's, it's very important that the message gets out as soon as possible. And um, I see. So basically to become a member yes. or to just, um, uh, you know, renew your membership. Yes, well, that by the 26th. Exactly. So if you, if you, in order to be able to vote, which is the only way we can make a difference at the National Trust, um, we have to be a member by the 26th of August. So anyone who is concerned about the National Trust veering away from its founding aims and ethos, um, I would really urge them to sign up to the National Trust uh, to become a member by the 26th. There you go. Now, look, you couldn't got it from the horse's mouth there. So by tomorrow, if you're a member, please renew. And if you want to help and want to actually sign up uh, by tomorrow, Friday the 26th. Um, you've done, you've had, you've been involved in the AGM before, of course, haven't you? You actually had some success there, did you not, last time? Yes, well, I wasn't personally involved with it because I only started uh, four months, I started as director of Restore Trust in May this year. But um, yes, last year we did have some success, but this year we're trying very much um, to get the message out more broadly because there are lots of people there are still lots of people who haven't heard of us. So it's really, really quite critical yeah. to get that message out. As you said, there are almost 6 million members. Um, it's a huge organization. And lots of the members actually don't know the extent to which things are going wrong in the National Trust. And so when they do hear about it, they're extremely concerned um, and want to do something about it. So it's actually the first step is letting people know what's going wrong. And the second step is telling them helping them know what to do about it to make a difference. I mean, it's quite close to my heart, really. I mean, in the sense that I've always loved the National Trust. I mean, you know, I, I, I was a member. People in my family are members, family membership and things like that. Um, and it sort of, it, it, it was particularly upsetting to see the kind of 
some of the things that were coming out of the National Trust. I'm thinking of, without going through the lot, there was the in, now infamous report about slavery, which yeah. was essentially um, going through all the, the properties in the National Trust, of which there are about 200, I believe, and essentially saying, well, this one's connected to slavery, this one's connected to slavery. And it, but it, it kept, it brought in um, houses like Chartwell, Churchill's yes. house. Yes. Really, I mean, with no real connection whatsoever. Isn't that right? Exactly. And, um, and um, as Charles Moore very brilliantly noted, it sort of conflated slavery with colonialism. Yeah. Um, when they are, slavery is a moral evil. Colonialism yeah. is is not actually. I mean, you can't conflate the two. They're completely different things. So the Chartwell thing, for instance, was because of Churchill's links to the empire. Right. I mean, the, the British Empire is an entire sec segment of British history. You can't just write it off. Um, and uh, anyway, I mean, the the report. There's so much wrong with it. Not least, it was written by people who weren't proper historians, it was written by activists who had a clear agenda, it was very biased. Um, but the main thing is it's completely outside the remit of the National Trust. Yes, yes. And I mean, the National Trust Act, um, by which the National Trust was established as a charity, um, states, that it's, uh, states that, it's, that its duty is the um, permanent preservation of um, the lands and tenements, including buildings, for the for the benefit of the nation, um, uh, lands and tenements that are of um, be sort of are beautiful or of historic interest, um, and so that's I mean I don't know how that's related. Uh, it's, they're yeah, yeah. sort of so far removed, and actually, it's not just the woke stuff they're doing. It's also the fact that they're simply not doing that. Found they're not um, uh, doing what they've been set up to do. Yeah. Um, with Clandon Park House, for instance. Um, and we've written about this, but um, Clandon Park House, great tragedy, was burned, uh, completely ravaged by fire in 2015. Um, and after seven years, the National Trust has now um, announced that it's not going to restore it as it had initially promised, um, and is instead going to, um, in their own words, preserve the evocative spaces created by the fire, which essentially means £63 million of insurance money not being spent on restoring Absolutely. Uh, the mean, interior of the house, which was sort of Giacomo Leone's sort of masterpiece, um, really sort of wonderful. And we've got so many examples of buildings which have been burned down and then have been restored. Um, and it creates so many good opportunities for people who have trained in traditional crafts and things. So it's really, it's really a huge missed opportunity, very much going against what the National Trust was set up to do. That it was burnt under their watch, so it's their responsibility yes. to to restore it to what it was. Um, no signs of proper consultation of members. There was no sort of question put to the members of um, should we restore or not. But in any case, it's a Grade One listed house. Yeah. It sets a very dangerous precedent if the National Trust is saying they're not going to restore, um, but they are taking the insurance money. <laughs> um, when Amazing. you think it's it's, it's, it's yeah. ludicrous, yeah. I mean, the thing is, that <clears throat> although you might say, well, that, that's not to do with the work agenda, in an odd way, um, the two go together because what always characterises institutions which have been taken over by, if you like, a kind of anti-colonial or the desire to decolonise all of these things, um, is that they actually veer right away from what they're meant to do. Also because they don't appear to actually care about what they're meant to do. I mean, I, there was one quote actually, because um, I read, Charles Moore has written a lot yes. about restore trust. Yes. 
And there's one, there's one quote from one writer, um, connected to the National Trust, working with the National Trust, in which it said that, um, you know, there is an, uh, the mansion experience is old-fashioned or it's something outdated. like that. Yes, yes, in other yes. words, these 200 houses, it's not just houses, is it, but the 200 yeah. are somehow sort of like no, of not of any interest, the implication is they're not of any mm -hmm. interest to the, the, the yeah. people going. I would have thought this is one of the most popular of British pastimes, exactly. isn't it? Well, well, exactly, and it would explain why it's the biggest, I mean, why it's got almost six million members, which is just, it's a huge, huge organisation. Have the, have the members, uh, I know that they did have a decline in members. What was the effect? What, do, you, do you happen to know any numbers in terms of how many people decided not to renew and, and, and such like as a result of all these things we've had over the past couple of years? Well, I didn't have the numbers, but um, uh, a there was a very large amount of yeah, members, yeah. a number of members who left. But we've tried to get them to rejoin, and actually, lots of them have been saying we have as a result of Bristol Trust, because because actually, I mean, we need to bear in mind that the National Trust management probably wants the opinionated members to be leaving, yeah. um, because they don't want us to be criticising what they're doing, um, and so it's very important that we actually stay in if we yeah. want to make a difference. I mean, the National Trust is so important. We're coming from the perspective that we love the National Trust. We love what it. I mean, it's there. Mm. It's such a, it's such an amazing um, institution. Yeah. And yet, it's been overtaken by. If you look at, we're not criticizing the volunteers, who are the people, the backbone of the National Trust, the people who are keeping it running and things. Um, it's the National Trust management who are leading it astray. Um, and so, the only way we can affect affect change at the very top of the National Trust. Um, and yeah, is by, is by voting and therefore is by saying members. There was there have been there's been so much that's happened with the National Trust. It's it's hard to actually to enumerate mm. every single case. Mm -hmm. I would say one of the most important was that there was a, the chairman Tim Parker. Yes. This is before yes. you were directly yes, restored. Yes. Uh, who effectively I, was he forced to resign? I mean he he actually he said something about Black Lives Matter, mm -hmm. which seemed remarkably naive to yes, me. He yes. sort of said that we support them because they are a non-party political organization yes. about human rights. Yes. Well, every part of that statement is wrong, yes. actually. Yes. But what is the National Trust chairman doing even saying that? This was apparently yeah. something he said at a meeting. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so no, exactly. Well, I, Tim Parker did, I think it's fair to say, resign because of as you say, this was before my time, but because of Restore Trust's pressure. Um, and uh, it was out of place to, to say any, to put forward any statement on Black Lives Matter, which was a political movement, yeah. which is a political movement, and which in any case has absolutely nothing to do with the National Trust. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of any, yeah. you should, the National Trust shouldn't be pronouncing on anything whatsoever that, that isn't part of the that founding duty to preserve for the benefit of the nation la lands and tenements of historic interest or beauty. So the, the thing is, anything outside of that is is just outside the remit of the National Trust. Apparently, the sort of top brass of the National Trust were surprised at the public response to this slavery report, mm. you know, that, uh, that they were taken aback, which shows that they must live in a kind of bubble, surely. Well, yes. I mean, I, the fact that, that we get thousands of emails um, from members, from volunteers, or whatever, it's not just on the slavery report, but that's one of the things. I mean, the National Trust management is in denial about the scale of concern yeah. 
from members and from volunteers. So we've got lots and lots, I mean, just sort of thousands and thousands of emails um, since Restore Trust was set up about these precise things. And then the National Trust says to us, but look, you're just a fringe organisation. I mean, you represent a very tiny sort of, they even have the cheats, they sort of far right. I've no idea. Really? Well, I mean, oh, it's all... That, that old chestnut, yes, yeah. But it's, it's, I mean, some of the people who write into us are very clearly, you can tell they're socialists and annoyed by, yeah, for instance, yeah. £63 million just being used without any transparency about how it's being used. Or, you know, there are, we've got, it's completely non-partisan. There's nothing right-wing about saying that a charity should be run according to its charitable yeah, yeah. objects. Yeah. It's just so clearly an objective statement which anyone should agree with. Yeah. Um, and, and actually our, the, our supporters reflect that. Well, how, do you, how many supporters do you have? How many members of...? We don't have, mem we don't have membership. Just supporters? We ha um, we have over 18,000 on our mailing list. Really? Um, yes. Um, and so that sort of gives a bit of indication about, but that's just the, the mailing list. Yeah. Um, and of course, we get huge um, sort of, we get lots of people um, on Twitter and Facebook and things engaging with us um, and Instagram as well. And things. So uh, there, is, there, are a lot, there are lots of people, but there actually quite a lot of people haven't heard about us, which is why it's very good to to get media yeah. coverage and sort of go on these. Things. You, um, do people have to pay something? Or no, 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 they don't. So no, they no. Just... Well, the, the newsletter is free, and actually, we'd really, I'd urge people to to sign up to yeah. it because because we get all our information out through there. If if anything's going wrong, or if there's something that we need to bring to members' attentions, or any voting information, for instance, for the AGM thing. Everything's done. We, we put everything out on the newsletter. And so, right, if people want to, you know, sign up to the newsletter, it's, what is it, Restore Trust? What, what is the... www.restoretrust.org.uk .org.uk Restoretrust.org.uk I would really, uh, you know, uh, encourage you to do that. Um, when you look at the people who've been making decisions, you mentioned the volunteers earlier. Yeah. Um, these volunteers, you know, the image... Uh, drawn I know from every part of the community but um, I remember going along and they were always extremely devoted people giving up their time yes um, and you thought really the backbone actually yes. of the whole thing but they've sort of been treated rather badly haven't they I mean some of the things they've been asked to do or say for example yeah. could you give us some idea of that um, well one of the examples was the uh, thing of them being made to wear lanyards for instance at Bellbrick Hall uh, which is I mean you shouldn't impose anything on on people you shouldn't tell them look sort of wear mm. a rainbow lanyard or otherwise you'll be sort of sent to the back rooms or well, this is you know. for the LGBT I exactly thing. exactly um, that's just one example that's an early example and of course they backtracked as soon as this came to light to, to light because it's just um, unfair um, and but now they've also quite recently brought in um, some training, which is sort of called um, everyday inclusion. Um, and so every volunteer must do this. It's mandatory. Otherwise, you sort of essentially get sacked. Um, and lots of, I mean, I can't tell you actually how many volunteers from all across the country have written in saying this is extremely patronizing. I've been working with the trust for decades. I mean, if it was health and safety training, it makes sense or whatever. But everyday inclusion training 
What um, would that actually entail? I mean, is it yeah. a bit like unconscious bias training? Yes, yes, yes. It's all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and again, I mean, it, it's just ridiculous. It's the fact that they don't respect um, these people who have been giving freely of their time to the trust um, for decades often. Mm. Um, and actually, there are also small things. I mean, people have been writing into us saying... Uh, they, the National Trust used to put on summer picnics for us, you know, just small things. Or they used to have biscuits in the kitchens. They used to, um, they used to be appreciative of the stuff that they were doing, yeah. of the, the, the volunteers were doing, because they are, after all, giving freely of their time. They're not getting any pay for it or whatever. And now they've said that sort of appreciation in the last few years has just stopped, and they don't get any of these summer things, or they don't get biscuits in the in the kitchens, or they don't. There's nothing done for them. There's no sign of actually thank you very much for all of the hard work you're putting yeah. in. Um, and instead of that, they're actually becoming more demanding in a way, saying things like, "Oh, we you can't. We'd rather you work on this slot rather than another slot." You know, you can't yeah. just when someone's doing yeah, sort of yeah. doing something in their free time you can't in sort of demand that they do it um at a certain time or whatever so it's become it's sort of the opportunistic um nature i increasingly opportunistic nature of the management um and i think that comes into a broader trend of national trusts sort of the national trust becoming a more commercialized thing it's all about reduced cutting costs um sort of very bureaucratized um, it's the people at the top who have the final say on things. It's not asking the volunteers who have been there for decades right. or the locals what is what's best. It's what's in our interest. Mm. Um, and whether that's virtue signaling to, to sort of uh, look good, sort of like, like brands do often. Um, it, I mean, the National Trust wasn't founded to do that. It was founded with a clear purpose in mind. But, I mean, you say virtue signaling, and I can see that point. Yeah. <coughs> it, it does seem to me, though, um, that it's a little deeper than that. I mean, when I talk, it's not just the National Trust, you know. I mean, if you look at the British Library or British yeah. uh, you know, Museum, is that it's essentially also about the fact that it's being run by people who have a general distaste for actually what they're running. And also, as a result, they also are quite ignorant, actually, of yeah. it. I mean, has there been also a decline in the pure academic expertise of the, yes. of the National Trust? Absolutely. Um, I mean, a, f uh, a couple of years ago, a lot of National Trust specialist curators were laid off um, with redundant, mass redundancies. Um, and they were all understandably up in arms. I mean, they'd been working on, they'd, they were sort of experts on art, historic art or uh, interiors of historic houses and you know gardens um, and they were all I mean they were sacked basically um, and then and then when when we raise this well whenever we raise this issue what's what we often hear back from the National Trust management is oh no you're totally wrong actually the number of curators has gone up yes it might have gone mm. up in numbers but the quality the people they replace them with in larger numbers are not at all they're not they're not these experts in sort of art history and, and everything. I mean, we've now got curators um, curators of visitor experiences. You can't curate visitor experiences. No, no, you no, no, curate no. sort of, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> tangible objects in sort of houses. But yeah. this is something across the entire, or would you say heritage and creative sector, I suppose? I mean, 
I now, I don't know about you, but I, I used to go to a lot of exhibitions, yes. you know. I now sort of think twice. I sort of yes. think, I don't want to go in and be made angry by a new sign or an over-curated exhibition where yes. you're being told what to think. And this has happened with the National Trust, hasn't yes. it? I mean, yes. you know, totally inappropriate sort of signage, isn't that right? Mm. And you know, putting the emphasis on the wrong things, on political yes. things. Yes, and deliberately so. I mean, sort of very, uh, sort of to, to say trendy perhaps, but I mean things like, um, yeah, I mean just focusing very in a very biased way on the negative aspects of something, sometimes even very tenuous. I mean, it's it's not... It's not that they're highlighting this house was built on the proceeds of slavery. It's sort of just, I mean, uh, this is a random example, but sort of the the owner of the, the fifth owner of this house had a um, plantation. Yes. You know, I mean, that's yeah. really not if you're focusing on that thing and mm. you haven't written an entire essay on the history of the house, then it doesn't really make sense actually to hone, hone in on that one topic. Um, I think you know. But I, I agree yeah. that it's very much a, a, heri a heritage sector-wide issue. Mm. Um, and actually, before this job, I was working. I was head of the History Matters project at Policy Exchange oh, at the right. Think Tank. History Matters. Yes. Oh, that was good. Uh, which good was there. which was a, a very good. I mean, um, I mean that was really highlighting the various issues going on across the heritage world and we saw things like Churchill College Cambridge doing their very anti-Churchill series um, and we saw Kew Gardens trying to decolonize its plant collections um, things you know so it's very much as you say it's not at all just the National Trust but I suppose what makes the National Trust different in a way is that it's a charity yes. Um, it's a membership organisation and it's just not being accountable basically for the decisions it takes and is uh, it's being run these decisions which are hugely unpopular are being made by, by a very small small section of the in fact uh, you mentioned Q there yes. um, I believe it is it was it the, is it the current director who mentioned Q um, in relation to the National Trust and said well actually they've been doing it for eight weeks no they're doing it we should do it too we should decolonize yes. too yes exactly uh, Yes, I think it was Hillary yes. Brady in her Times, yes. in her Times uh, profile, um, and I did actually. Uh, um, I wrote not long after that. I, I did mention that in an article I wrote for the uh, for the Times, um, and I said that Hillary Brady talks about um, the Kew Gardens and and um, how they've been doing this. But actually, the paper that we wrote at Policy Exchange got that scrapped two weeks after the critical paper that we wrote at Policy Exchange saying that Q was going outside its remit in doing all of this. Um, Q Gardens had to back down and said it was scrapping its decolonization agenda. So I said, and the National Trust needs to be careful, of course, that it doesn't overstep its remit. Um, and, the, and the next day, or a couple of days later, Jan Lasik, who's the um, the the general counsel and secretary of the National Trust wrote a letter into the Times saying Zodatu is wrong to say that, to imply that the National Trust is going outside its remit because the Charity Commission found that the slavery report was within its, was, was sort of allowed mm. or whatever. Well, technically, perhaps in a legal sense, what they're doing, what they did with the slavery report wasn't outside the remit. But I think it's very clear for anyone to see, and we won't be fooled, um, that that um, a slavery report is not helping in any way um, to 
to fulfil that founding duty of preserving historic houses and gardens and land. I think it was uh, Charles Moore in his piece in The Spectator about uh, restored trust uh, mentioned that the report um, came out, you know, it, rather in a, a too early. I mean, it was sort of rushed out, and and that the trust sort of said, "Well, we were under great pressure to put out." Well, pressure from whom? I might ask. I mean, mm. it seems obvious to me that they were using the George Floyd, yes. uh, in, yes. you know, the murder, yeah. uh, to basically somehow this was their chance to put this out then when it shouldn't actually have come out for some time or something yeah. but the from what i can gather this kind of new agenda in the national trust has actually been kind of like curdling away there for a few years anyway hasn't it before going back to a few years before black lives matter mm. well yes it the national trust uh began to go wrong i think with the replacement actually of, of this is going a, a few years back yeah. The replacement of specialists um, with sort of managerial-ish yeah. types, um, and so the essentially it has been a a recent but actually slightly protracted process of um, increasing bureaucratization of the National Trust. Um, but things came to a head in 2020, following the George Floyd. Um, thing because the National Trust, like lots of other institutions in the heritage sector, decided, okay, this is where we make our big thing. And Charles was very right to say this. Why did the report come out so early? Why do you need an interim report? Mm. It's not just an irrelevant report. It's why is it? Being, why do you have an interim report? Um, mm. we, I mean, it just doesn't seem to make sense. You either get yeah. the report out or you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so as you say, it's concerning actually that the National Trust has to sort of bow to any bow down to any pressure um it shouldn't be it shouldn't be run a sort of a huge charity on that scale with a very clearly set out um mission shouldn't be swayed by the trends of of the time um and it's very wrong that the national trust has allowed the national trust management has allowed the charity to be taken over by such trends you mentioned there that before this you were sort of in charge of the history matters yeah. project policy exchange. I'm very pleased to hear about Q. Mm -hmm. You mentioned Q Gardens. Mm -hmm. What other kind of successes came out of that? I mean, because yes. quite often we, we know of, we hear of initiatives yes. such as Restore Trust, yes. but um, they, we, they tend not to be reported on, on the, the overall effect they've had. I mean, well, History Matters was very good. I mean, um, uh, and very much, I mean, all power to Dean Godson, who is very, I mean, it's... He's the head of policy exchange. He's the head director of policy exchange. Um, and it's very rare, actually, that, that a huge, I mean, the most influential think tank in the UK policy exchange, it's, it was very uh, brave of him to, to step up and say, we're going to have a, a, a policy unit dedicated to this, because it was very, as you know, very unpopular. But we are very lucky in that actually all of the initiatives we had were successful. So the first one was Churchill College, Cambridge, which I very briefly explained earlier. Um, the Churchill College, Cambridge held a very critical event on Churchill, um, saying that he was racist, that uh, he deliberately caused the Bengal famine to exterminate, to kill off large numbers of Indians. We were told that the, that it wasn't uh, it wasn't of huge importance that the uh, that the um, 
Third Reich was defeated uh, in the Second World War because actually all that happened was one form of white supremacy was replaced with another, right. apparently. All of these things. So, so Andrew Roberts and I wrote a paper um, sort of dismantling each of these <laughs> claims um, and just showing, I mean, what's bad, what sort of, how could this happen at one of the leading yes. universities in the country, uh, in the world, I mean, sorry, yeah. um, and at at the the college named after Churchill, I mean, done his honour. Um, so that actually, a month or so later, the, the so-called Churchill Race and Empire Working Group was disbanded. Oh, right. Okay. So that was very good. That was yeah, a success. Yeah, yeah. Um, another one was, um, uh, do you know street names were being changed across yeah. the country yeah. um, because of the apparent links to slavery or to, uh, as we said, lots of them were very tenuous sorts of things, I mean. Um, and so we wrote a paper um, which said that street names shouldn't be changed unless people on the street have been asked and at least two-thirds of people on the street vote for change. Who lived on the street? Yes, who lived on the street or business or yeah, businesses yeah. on the street, which actually, I mean, people mostly don't want change to happen. So it's, and it wasn't just two-thirds of people who vote. It's two-thirds of people on the street actively want it to be changed. Um, and... I'm sure that in cases where street names have been changed, um, and they're done, by the way, at, at the moment, um, well, they were being done without asking, without consulting anyone. Mm. So uh, the local council could just say, we're going to change the street name here. Um, so, so what the paper suggested was, uh, was that, that the law should be changed so that they would ha have to consult, um, and that was announced in the Queen's speech earlier this year. So oh, that's okay. another right. that's a right. success. Uh, and Kew Gardens was, of course, a, a yes. success yeah. because that that was I mean, it was very quick actually. Just two weeks later, of course, after the media had yeah. sort of a few headlines on how silly it was to decolonize plant collections, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think did the trick. Yeah. Um, do yeah. you think, therefore, that the dare I say it, but do you think that We've seen the worst of this uh, attack, if you like, um, on heritage. I I suspect not, but uh, mm. you know, you've obviously been in, well, completely in 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 the vanguard uh, of the pushback. Well, I think we, I think I think there's greater awareness of these things, which is always good, yeah. because at the beginning, people uh, didn't know people from the who. Well, the vast majority of people didn't know the extent to which these things were happening, so that's very good. I think we shouldn't be complacent because there are always things bubbling away. I mean, the National Trust management is still in denial that the things they were doing mm. were wrong. Right. So still. the thing is, this, so the thing is, there are lots of institutions. You, all you need, as we saw with Churchill College, with Q, is you need to prod them and show the sort of really actually just show yeah, them yeah. sorry hold on what you're doing isn't it doesn't mm. match up with what mm. you're meant to be doing mm. um and then they they hopefully stop with the national trust it's been more difficult but i hope i really hope that at the agm we can we can bring about the the reform that's needed because our members resolutions hope to bring about the governance reform actually that's required right. to make well, look, I mean, every power to you is obviously having an effect. And uh, I mean, it, I think there's a broader question here as well, broader point, is that it just shows that you should not be sort of fatalistic and just accept what these, you know, these yeah. things that are happening. Yeah. And if you fight back, um, it can work. Yes. Um, 
Thank you very, very much for that. That was lovely. Um, again, um, if you are a member of the National Trust, um, please renew if you need to by tomorrow. Um, and also, or join it, even better. Um, and uh, more power to restore trust. Thank you very much. And it's a pleasure to, to talk to you about it. Uh, that's it for So what you're saying is this week we shall be back next time. So see you then. Bye-bye. Hello. If you're enjoying the New Culture Forum channel and you believe in our mission, may I invite you to join our membership scheme at the link below or on our website, newcultureforum.org.uk. Our work is more important now than ever, and we have great plans ahead for the future, but we can't do it without your support. From as little as three pounds per month, you can help ensure that we continue on our mission. As a member, you'll receive a range of benefits, including access to exclusive content, invitations to our private events, including here at our studios, free copies of our books, and much, much more, including, of course, our famous NCF mug. If you aren't able to become a member, then please help us by clicking this button and subscribing to our channel. It's completely free. Just remember to also click the bell icon so that you can get notifications when we post new videos. Thank you.